0: Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the LFC Red Poets Podcast. I'm your host Les Lawson and tonight I'm joined by my two partners in crime as usual, Tom Keegan and Pete Warburton. And also tonight our special guest, the one and only Paul Moran. So I bet we're all glad the international break's over and we can look forward to proper football again. So just quickly, I'll start with you Tom. Have you have you spent the international break? Did you watch any of the internationals or we are just sort of keeping away from football.
1: No, do you know, do you know what, Les, I went up to me, my father in laws you know, like, he's 90 and like, and he he was sitting in the house and the two of us, he watched, he had the football on and I watched the England, the England game, you know, the second, the first game when they drew with Ukraine. I like, I like, again, I don't, I don't really enjoy the, the international games for some, some bizarre reason, but I I, I just thought I don't know if you've watched any of the game at all. I, I don't it's like I, I, with with Southgate, you look at the team and you think it, it's like it's like having a Ferrari car or a Maserati car and putting a 70-year-old man who's just learned to drive in charge of it. <laughs> and it's like he, he's got he's clueless, you know, like he just completely He's out of his depth. I, I was thinking to myself, if you had a, a manager like like Wenger, or you had a manager like Guardiola, or you had even a manager like Cheno, a manager who could get something out of players, he would have these, you know, like winning trophies. Cause it's it is when you look at the players they've got, they've got some brilliant players, but he's just He's just in it, so I didn't watch the second game. I didn't
2: really enjoy it. I was looking forward to for coming <laughs> back to watching Liverpool. How about you, Pete? I caught snatches of like the first game and then I fell asleep. And I, I'm not being thingy, I did fall asleep. Um, <clears throat> the second one, the Scotland game, once again, I didn't watch it all. Um, I just, <clears throat> I think Gene, your wife, was on the phone to her mate, so while she was gabbing away, I just put a the telly on with the sound down. So I watched I watched bits of it, but I wasn't like Tom said, it doesn't really interest me. The only thing I worry about on any international, not just England, is is our players okay. So you see Robert going in for the 50 50 and you think, God, who comes out of this alright. And um no, I, I didn't watch any of it to be honest. You know, in intensely it was just on in the background. And um even even in the big tournaments, like even even in, I think I watched the Italian game when they played Italy in the final. But even leading up to the thing, I don't normally watch the games to be honest. As I say, I watch them more with trepidation in, in case any of our players get a knock. You know what I mean?
3: Paul, how about you? I've been just out watching other football, non-league and amateur stuff. I've, uh, I'd be honest with you, not, not no other than what's just been said there. As long as no one gets injured, I don't. It's even my strength. When Trent got injured and he's not going on international duty now, so hopefully he's all right for Saturday. But you just don't want anyone to get injured, so I've got no interest in it at all. Yeah, really that,
0: yeah.
3: I think that's <clears throat> the that
0: that's my view, really. I'm just checking the um, you know, Twitter all the time to make sure like that there's nobody reporting that any of our players have have gone off injured or you know have, have been reported injured after a particular game. So yeah. You know, my first priority is is just getting them all back, fitting well and, and raring to go. And I just think that it's becoming absolutely pointless, the qualifying games anyway, especially now with the increased number of teams that are going to play in the, in the tournaments because all the big countries are going to qualify anyway. So it just makes a mockery of it all. So anyway, that is now over. We can look forward to proper football again. But before we sort of look forward to the... To the game against Wolves at the weekend. Just start with you on this, Paul. What have you made to first of all our start of the season with the with the 10 points out of 12? Was it more than you expected? Was it on par with what you expected? So what's your feelings?
3: I'm delighted with it, to be honest. I think our playing, uh, the way the team are moving about. Again, you know, you look at last year's team with them midfielders we had Fabinho and Henderson and Milner, no disrespect to Milner at all out of them three, but you look at them and the midfield now has just stepped up. Now, whether they can do it for the whole season is another matter, but certainly how they've started, has been brilliant. And how we look, it's like when we played Villa last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was, you're saying everyone was saying, oh, Villa were rubbish. Villa were, we didn't let Villa play. Villa couldn't get a foothold in the game because of how we played. It was more... We stopped Villa doing anything in that game, and we made the game look easy, you know. Which is what they we talk about them all the time. But Man City do it; they make they make the games look easy, and you think well, they're working hard to make it look that easy because it's not. But we absolutely outclassed Villa. You know, you got the two late goals at Newcastle, which obviously made it a, a different day. As such, if you beat Newcastle two one over the ninety minutes, then you think that's a good win. Winning at Newcastle is always a good win. It's, it's never not been. Chelsea away, first game of the season, you don't know what they're going to be like. So you say, well, we hope we get at least a point. We should have had two possibly with that handball in the second half. And Bournemouth at home, you know, obviously they went one up, having already had one disallowed and then scored again within three minutes. And then we just come back and overpowered them even with the sending off. So, yeah, I'm absolutely delighted with the stuff. She's like 12 points out of 12. But I mean, that's Every, every game you want to win. But if you're going to get 10 points out of 12, you'd be quite happy with that all through the season, although you never know whether that's going to keep you up with City. You know, yeah. 10, 10 out of 12 any other time is title-winning form. But at the moment, it mightn't be. So that's one of the problems. So yeah. just as long as we keep, keep with them, keep with them this season, keep close to them, that's what we need to do. Because obviously we didn't last season. You just need to keep with them. And hopefully they'll have a stutter or whatever, lose a couple of players out of their 125-man squad. <laughs> and, uh, I think
2: have, the few, thing is, have a few crap results, right? Yeah, the thing is, Paul. In our first four games, like like you, you sort of touched on. Newcastle's not easy to go to. Chelsea's not easy, and Villa at home yeah. wasn't really a given, was it? And no, yet, no. City City on paper have had a pretty easy start, so they're gonna hit a they're gonna hit a run. At some stage in the season, where they're going to play a few of the big boys, I think it might be October. They've got a couple of big games coming up, so hopefully, as I say, we've you know we've made a good start. I mean, um, when you compare the start this season to last season, yeah, you know, we, after about four games last season, the right was on the wall. You know that we weren't going to challenge, but like you say, if we can stay up there, wait, wait for City to—they're not going to win every game. You know what I mean? Even even with the big squad they've got, so. Um, I I am really pleased with the start, and and as I say, you l- looked on paper thinking, oh Chelsea, you know they've got all these new players coming in, new manager, you know it could be it could be a difficult game, and and it was in you know in part they they probably <clears throat> didn't take their chances, but like you say, we could easily have won that game. Um, Newcastle was just one of them games that everything seemed to go against us, but we we, we came out of it with three points. And then even like you say the Villa game, you know that we we just came back and um you know the display against Villa was fantastic. I thought. Just dominated the whole game. Yeah. Tom, yeah. how about you? What's your what what's your view on the where we
0: stand now? Ten points from twelve. Would you have sort of if somebody had sort of said to you, you know, before the, the referee blew the whistle to start the the game against Chelsea, the at the end of the game against Aston Villa, going into the international break, we'd have 10 points and 12. Would you have shook on that and said, fair enough, or would you have been a little bit disappointed and said, I want the twelve?
1: I think I think you realistically, the 10 points is amazing, Les, really, wasn't it? You know, when you look at the start and we brought in all the new players, which we've got to blood together to create a team, you're putting a whole new midfield together. So I think the boys have gelled really quickly. That's been... That's one been one of the highlights for me up to now. Is the likes of McAllister, who we play, who we bought to play in the eighth, has dropped into the six and been out of his natural position. But yet, he looks he looks the one who, who's like now going to benefit with Glavenbach coming in, or whether it's Curtis, or whether it's it's Endo, or you know we seem to have players now which are adaptable to fit into the into the. The plans that we have got available, so I, I, I think ten points is a really, really good start. And as as the lads of both the lads have said, you know when you look at who we played, Chelsea away, Newcastle away, Aston Villa at home, you know like they, the you know like you would expect us to uh, uh, us to beat uh, the other uh, Bournemouth, wasn't it? But be, but you look at you look around and you think well. Ten points out of that twelve, and we've played two of the big boys or two of the bigger teams, you know. And, and Aston Villa, who are going to give teams a shock, no matter. Although we caught them and we played really well, you know that they're going to play better than t- against teams this season. So they're going, to, they're going to cause a few headless, you know headaches for other teams. So I, I think ten points is great. Unlike well, I think City will drop points this season. I don't think. I I've got this funny feeling with you know like they seem to, they seem to be doing things a little bit different you know Fod, fodens not getting much of a, a game at the moment and he he's he's, he's persisting with you know like with all of the fronts and bringing in Al, 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 Alvarez. and so I I don't know I, I think he's disjointed his team a little bit so I I think they might be a little bit closer this year so Ten points, I'm I'm over the moon with
0: yeah, yeah. I'd have been. I must admit that you know when I seen the, the fixtures, I would have been delighted with ten points out of twelve. I thought net you know Chelsea spend a new team, new manager to go their first game of the season. You know where the fans are going to be really looking forward to, really up for the game. I thought it was going to be you know a really difficult place to go, and especially you know we still had. Your know, injury injury situation in midfield, um, you know we we had Curtis to Tiago was out. You wondered what we were going to do in in the midfield, and you know there is question marks about you know the way we conceded goals during pre season, and then you know to come out there with a with a credible draw early, which I thought on reflection, it was probably a fair result. Yeah, we could have pinched at the end with that. You know, great effort by Darwin and, you know, the possible on ball that we didn't get. Um, but, yeah, absolutely delighted. Newcastle, never an easy place to go, but the flying and, you know, they'd, they'd won the first home game well against Villa. They'd had a, you know, only lost 1-0 away at City. And then, you know, we, we then strolled up to St James's Park. And to play for, like, more than an hour with 10 men that was a remarkable result. And that that's, that's a result when we when we look back at the maybe at the end of the season, could be, you know, the biggest and most important result of the season for this new Liverpool team. And then again, you know, you, you went into the Villa game and thinking, you know, Villa, this isn't gonna be easy. Some people were tipping them as an outside, outsider for the top four. But to to put them to the sword the way we did, I thought again it was an excellent excellent performance. Come to you, Paul, on on this one. Um, it was announced sort of early this week, I think, that VVD have been given an extra game ban, so he's not available to for selection for the Wolves game on Saturday, and also fined hundred thousand pound. What did you make of that decision by the FA to impose that level of fine? and the
3: extra game ban. Well, I think a lot of it, I mean, you can say they've got an agenda against Liverpool. It's one of them things. All fans think the FA have got agendas against their teams on VARs against them and all that. I think Van Van Dijk says he was waiting for the VAR to overrule the sending off because he felt he got the ball. He kicked through the lad's legs, whether it's a sending off. I, I, to be fair, when he did it, I thought he was going to get red carded at that split second of him doing it. It was off shit. Like, you know, he's going to He's gonna be off here. And then when he was, it's just, I think a lot of it's because he stood in front of the ref and what he was saying to him. You could clearly see what he was saying to the ref. Yeah. So the FA are looking at that and they say, well, we can't allow that. Now, I don't think there'll be a player in the country who hasn't been red carded, who hasn't turned around and swore at the ref. But Virgil was right on the, not that he knew at the time, he's right on the screen doing it, calling the ref a fucking joke or calling the decision. That that was the other argument to it, because he said he wasn't calling the ref a joke. He was calling the decision not to review it and overturn it, a joke. But the FA have obviously decided to make an example of him. It'd just be interesting to see whether they do it if anyone else is in a similar position or whether the other people don't quite get the Mm. same level of punishment that Virgil's got. So Mm. it's one of them things. It's whether you look at the FA and think that after us, because McAllister's red card got overturned, uh, but he decided to... Him, I don't believe in stuff like that Personally, It's things that get mentioned, but... I thought it was a red card, and I thought Virgil, once he'd said no it's a red, he should have just walked off, and none of this would have been getting talked about. Now, Virgil needs to just bite his lip and go. But it's because it was so clearly on the telly, live game, and as the FAO's mentioned, you know, there's kids watching, uh, impressionable children watching type of thing, who obviously are in a bad. He still do that on the telly now. Someone swears... And they go, oh, we'd like to apologise if anyone heard that bad language there. Most of the time, you have to rewind it. I go, I didn't hear that then. I don't see what someone said. But they go on about it all the time. And it's obviously, they don't want people, I wouldn't use the word confronting, because Virgil didn't really do that, but getting in the ref's face. And then uh, stomping off, they want people just to walk off if they get red carded. So I think a lot of it was because how Virgil reacted to it. Mm. Tom, did did you think
0: it was... I think I think if we're all honest, we all expected Virgil to get some extra punishment on top of the one game that he got purely because of this new respected referees' agenda that they they've brought in this season. But did you think it was a little bit harsh to level of both not the fine plus the game ban for a player? I don't think who'd ever been booked for dissent during his Liverpool career.
1: I think, I think, Les, and what Paul said made a good point there, I think he, what happened with, with Virgil there was he was unlucky. He was unlucky that he was the first. You probably find now, they've made an example of Virgil van Dijk, and as Paul said, I'll be amazed if anybody else is given an extra ban for doing the same thing during the season. You know, it, one thing you, cannot, you can say is that, that, that they tend not to be very consistent, but They've, by making him an example, do you think that, they, that that nobody else is, will do it? It will happen again and nobody else will get the uh, extra fine, and extra ban. It's just, uh, they always make it, don't be in the parts, but first part of the season, they always, if they, if they change the rules or they make rule changes as such, the first couple of people uh, are, are used as the example, you know, so, so that, the idea is, well, now that will stop people swearing at the referee. You know, it, that's never going to stop people swearing at the referee. They'll still be swearing at the referee right the way through the season, but they're not going to give an extra bang game every game for everybody else that does it. And that's the frustrating thing for me. As Paul said, he was unlucky. He was caught on camera. He's probably, he probably heard, everybody heard what he said. And that, that was it. I I felt at the time. I, I felt he got the ball, and like everybody said, he tackled through it through him, and he and, and he touched the man, and then you know like it's a it's a it, it, it's a penalty, and he and he's off, and that's the You know that's that's it. But
0: that's I felt the sorry
1: for them. That's
0: the thing, well, though. It would have happened in the penalty area. He wouldn't have got a red card. They just got no, a yellow. Yeah. That's
1: that's yeah that's, yeah, you
0: know, that's, yeah unfortunately yeah but Pete, yeah yeah do, do you sort of think that it's the Virgil's learned a very very harsh lesson and I think as a team now you know that that is something that that you know the leadership group if you like on in the team won't let happen again so if another player gets a red card in a similar situation that the, the sort of senior players, if you like, in the team will make sure that that player sort of leaves the field at the first opportunity and not get, let his frustrations say get the better of him and
2: and start making matters maybe a little bit worse than they already are. Uh, I mean, in a, in a sort of perverse way, it might be a good thing that's happened. Like you say, the leadership group in, in, in Liverpool... <clears throat> Can turn around and, and you know especially to the young ones, but I reckon if you if you could watch a, re, a replay of every game in the Premiership, well every football game in all the leagues played this weekend, you will see players swearing at the ref for whatever reason. You say, oh, well, you know, f off ref, that wasn't a free kick. that I think a couple of things. I think if Virgil swore in Dutch, this wouldn't have happened. But he. <laughs> He chose, yeah. he chose yeah. to use the vernacular, didn't he? And he, swore in, he scored in English. I'll be honest, when I first saw it, when the whistle blew, I thought, what's he blowing for? He's tackled him. When you do look at the replay, you can understand why he got he he, he got the card. Um, Because I think the lad was going to be through one-on-one with the keeper. I don't think there was any cover there. Um, But it's like, it's like we all say every week, it's this consistency. Does that mean, like, When someone swears at the ref on Saturday, are they going to be brought to book? Are they going to be fined? It's not going to happen. And I think Paul's right. I mean, we've said for a long time, we think there's certain agendas against Liverpool and we feel hard done to. And I think every football fan, if there's a decision that goes against their team, they think they're hard done to. But some of the things that we've had to witness, some of the decisions, and I do think it was a high-profile game. It was live on the telly. And obviously now there's not just one camera at the ground. There's about three dozen cameras. They're from every angle They're all. They even got the spider in the sky in the big games where they're over over everything. So, as I say, I think in a perverse way, let's hope it doesn't, you know, diminish our, our game against Wolves and we, we get through that without Virgil at the, at the back. But I think, like you say, the, the management group or the, you know, the senior group of players can sort of learn from this and say to the younger ones, obviously you're going to be frustrated at times. Things happen in games that frustrate you. Try and bite your tongue. I mean, you know, you look at Jürgen Klopp, I'm sure I'm sure he's done things on the touchline because he's been centered as well, hasn't he? Where he, he's he's done things. But it, it happens in every game of football. And I, I just don't know the answer to it either. It's it's the same rule for everyone. Um I, I think what Virgil of Virgil said, like Paul said, he probably was more at the decision that he he said it was a joke. But <clears throat> when you liken that to what happened years ago, when the likes of United were were eight and nine players around Andy Derso, and not you know, I, I just don't understand it. And and I think even some of the referees use agri- agricultural language. I think they give it back. I know a few of the old refs used to f and jeff with the players, you know, and stuff like that. So. I don't know if there's an easy answer for this, but let's see what happens over the next coming weeks, see if anyone else who has obviously crossed the line, if they get anything done to them, you know.
0: Howard Webb apparently has said, you know, mm-hmm. and this is before the the Virgil incident, by the way, so so he hasn't sort of commented that I've seen since, but apparently at the, after the first weekend of the season he, he was sort of asked about the, you know, the way things are, and, and as Tom said, you know, things sort of get highlighted for a few weeks and then it totally, totally drains away. And apparently he said, as I say, the proof of the pudding, of course, he said, no, that's not going to happen anymore. These are the rules and they're going to be the same throughout the season. So that'll be Hmm? interesting to see, you know, if that continues or if it does as, as not only Tom, but I think deep down we all suspect that after it after a few weeks things will start to dilute a little bit and you'd be sitting around watching the game and thinking god Virgil got sent off for that and got an extra game ban let's see what happens to him and it'll mm. be nothing so you know we'll be interested to see going forward you know what will what will happen and, and whether they keep you know the directive as it is just moving on you know now we are where we are the transfer window has now slammed shut. Um, Saudi Arabia's window has slammed shut. And we've got the squad that we've got now until January. Come to you, Paul, on this. What do you make of the transfer window we've had? Are you happy with it? Are you do you think we we've covered now covered all bases? And how confident are you now taking that squad through to the, you know, to the to you know, the first of January when you know, if we need to get reinforcements, the window opens
3: again. I'm very happy with what he did in the transfer window. Obviously, you've got Sabresley who's come come in, and in the four games he's played, he's looked the part. Looks like he's going to make a shape for the season. McAllister is a World Cup winner, so you know you're not signing a dummy there. You've got Endo's come in. Uh, not really seeing much of him yet, but he looks a tidy player when he's come on. I think it was a bit unfair at Newcastle when he came on because everything was going a bit mad. It was just a bit of a mad game, Newcastle. So I don't think it was a game that he could influence as such. Uh, coming from, uh, you know, he hadn't been at the club that long. So I think, say, because some people were saying he didn't influence the Newcastle game. So like, give him a chance, like,
2: yeah.
3: and you know, hopefully, I'm a mm-hmm. It's not a popular thing with all Liverpool fans, but I want Curtis Jones to do well. I want him mm. to, and I think yeah. he has. I think he was he played well, certainly in the game against Bournemouth. I think it was Bournemouth he played against. i am mixed up now. Oh, Villa. Villa. Well, he he, he looked the against Villa because he seems to be getting the ball and moving it on a bit quicker. Now, whether that's because the players he's with are getting on to him to get the ball moving quicker and then he's doing it, I, I don't think there's much wrong with the squad. I think the best thing people will do with the uh, Twitter gets turned off for the last three weeks of just the transfer window and no one knows what anyone's doing. Then on the last day, everyone goes, this is what we've done. Because it's all, <laughs> there's, there's so much shit on it. And we're signing him, he's coming, you know, even the two that went to Chelsea. Obviously, we're not, we weren't signing him because he never come. Now, how far along the deals have got, you don't know, but it looks like the two that have gone... You talk about the Chelsea game, that was another aspect of that game that them two had gone. So, obviously, Chelsea wanted to prove they'd gone to the right club and then obviously didn't play in the game. But the, I don't know they played since and one of them's injured and the other one's on the bench. But I'm happy with who we've signed. I'm mm. sort of happy with who's left. Uh, out of the players who could have left. Obviously, didn't, I didn't want Mo to go. Certainly not on the last day of it when there's no chance of signing anyone else. You're talking about whether he goes at the end of the season. i will just enjoy watching him now for the season. We're I mean, mm-hmm. worrying about that. You can do a million things you can worry about. You, know, you said, I'm not watching the Newcastle game against Virgil Van Dijk gets sent off. He said, Well, you know, you can't go into a game with that mindset. You just got to go in and enjoy what's happening in front of you and respond to what's going on. So hopefully the players we've got can fit in with each other. We've certainly got enough forwards. I think it was the Newcastle game when the bench. The substitutes come up on Sky, and we're looking at it and go, you oh, know, that's that's a decent bench. That, but a few times last season, you did feel we were light mm-hmm. in the substitutes, and then the games this season, the, the bench looks quite strong, very strong. So hopefully, you know, with the uh, positives coming back and people like Doak and that, uh, get them involved and see how they are in the games. all they'll probably play against the uh, Leicester. Uh, the week on Tuesday, the week on Wednesday, whenever it is. But just need to say, it's one of them things. you just got to see. It's, it's like every season. You could do this every season. You've got to see what happens. But that's like ridiculous because that's that's all you can do. The players we've got are good enough to win more games than they draw or lose. So hopefully they'll just crack on. Uh, Diaz seems to have stepped up a little bit, even though he was all right last season. But he got that injury, but he's stepped up a bit. And then with Darwin, like, you know, you, you don't really know what you're going to get from Darwin. But if he's playing there with Uruguay, he's got Bielsa helping him out there by the looks of it. He's got Klopp there and the lads feeding him with the ball. You just, as I say, it, it sounds like defeatist to say it. We've just got to stay as close to City as we can. And that's what the league's turned into now. You've got to stay close to them to try and get them rocking a bit. But that, that's all we can do. But I think we've got the players now. Much better than last season. squad to do a job on keeping up with them or getting in front of them, even hopefully that'll be better still. But hopefully we can uh, make it into a race this season or do what we did a few years ago and just storm through the first 30 games and kill the league for everyone else because if we're winning, I'm not bothered what's happening behind us. Yeah, very very true, Paul. Peace. Do you think the
0: midfield options um, you know, now are better than they were? When we nearly did the quadruple, so are you happy now with the, you know, with the younger legs in midfield? The fact that, you know, we can, you know, he's got certain permutations he can use now. That are different. Whereas, you know, when we when we went for the quadruple, it was basically you know, Henderson, Fabinho, and Thiago, with a bit of Abukaita and James Milner coming on, sort of, you know, to, to close games off and stuff. So it just looks now that we've got a lot more energy in there and a lot more lot more options, if you like. So what's your view on that?
2: Yeah, I think I think we're far better equipped with the players that we brought in this summer. And that's no detriment to the lads you've just mentioned. But like you say, Millie was knocking on. Keita, you, you saw him once every Preston Guild because he was always injured anyway. But it, there was a player there with Navi Keita, but we just didn't see him for all the injuries. Fabino you know, just had that drop, his form just dropped off. And it was quite evident. I mean, we've spoken about this privately and on the programme well before this window, saying that we think this is the department that needs freshening up. <clears throat> and then there were, obviously, there was all the talk about Bellingham. You know, it was nailed on if you read some things like Paul was saying on Twitter. But, uh, you know, I, I'm glad with the business we've done because we've actually rejuvenated the whole team and that was evidence against Villa. And also at Newcastle when we were a man down, it was evident there that we had legs in that midfield. <clears throat> and there were times last season when it was just not not necessarily a backs to the wall, but you just couldn't see us taking the game to the opposition because I mean I know I know that a I know that a, a big squad City, but I went to City last season to four one. And we took the lead there, and I thought we're going to do something here today. And I've never seen a team capitulate like that—not a Liverpool team the way it did, albeit against the team that went out and won the league. I understand that, but I don't think this this team or this midfield especially would let that happen this season. And I, I I'm really made up that we've got the we've actually got the legs back in the midfield um, that we had. I don't know, two or three years ago when we won the league that, that, that year where we just took everyone to pieces, to be honest. And I'm made up with it. And in hindsight, I think I think we mentioned it last time or the time before, are you happier with the the, the personnel that we brought in or, or would it have all gone on one player, i.e. Bellingham or Though, And I'm happy with... I know, I know under Brendan, I think we we got a lot of... Quantity over quality and I think this time we we've got some real quality in the squad now. Tom, are you excited
0: about the, the the especially the new midfielders that have come in the way that's been rebuilt? Does that give you a new optimism, if you like, for the season? Um you know, do you feel as though we've got you know, whereas before you'd be looking around to think, oh, you know, if this fella's not fit, you know, are we gonna sort of play in the midfield? Do you think now the no, there's not going to be such a big drop off if you have to replace, say, one player with another now from the midfield options that we've got.
1: I think not only have we bought young legs, Les. We've bought experience. You know, like we bought players who played a bit of a bit of football, and we've bought quality, absolute quality. I look at the midfield and you think you know the midfield that we had when you said you're on the quadruple, and all them players as well. Like I'd run the legs off for of Liverpool, had like given everything, had every single one of them, you know. And like said, so Thiago uh, uh, coming with injuries, so the lad was he was getting injured in between. Caters the same. Peter said quality quality player there, but and whether it was Hart or whether it was whatever, I don't know with with Naby, but he never fulfilled his potential that he had. And, like, the drop-off between Fabinho and, and Henderson after the quadruple, it was, like, it, it was, like, massive, wasn't it? And and really highlighted. But when you look at what we've got, you've got players here. Like, mm-hmm. I, I listened to Sir line talk the other day and they were laughing at him because he said, he'd come in and he said, where do you think you can finish this season? And he said, I think we can win the league. And, you know, he, he, that that lad believes that he, he's not saying that because because that's what he actually he believes. And when you look at you look at him, and I agree with what Paul said before. Uh, very true about Curtis. I love Curtis Jones. I've bleated on about Curtis Jones on the podcast for for ages, less, as as we all have. There's there's always been a quality player in Curtis, and it's it's up to him. You look at young Bucci going to be a quality, quality player. Even this grabbing batch was one of the top three young players in, in, in football. And he's had a drop-off. I, I remember liking him to Fernando Torres. Fernando was like that. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Dropped for the season, his form, he went, he, he dipped. Come to Liverpool, revelation. I'm expecting the same with, with, with the likes of Bats. So all of a sudden, as we were saying, you look at the bench and you look, there's, there's so much quality in that midfield that if, as a Liverpoolian, you're going to be excited. Put that, and even, even to another thing what we were saying before, you look at the front five, and and you can add Ben Doak to that and make it six, you know. Sadio was coming towards the, towards the end of his career, you know, like he's dropped a little bit when he went to Bayern, and now he's gone to Saudi. But you you look at these likes of Jota, you look at Diaz, you look you you look at Nunes, who's, who's pure raw talent. You know, you look at Mo, who's who's dropping a little bit, but still still oozes quality. We've we've got unbelievable talents, so I am really looking forward. I think the window is a great a great window. We all would have loved to defend the book. What what you said the other week where Barendo has played centre back for Japan, so he might drop back and give you that little bit of cover there, you know. So I think I'm um, I'm overall I I think that it was a great window for Liverpool, and I expect us to be there or thereabouts this season. I really do.
0: That, that That's great, that, Tom. I mean, I will say as well, I, I to me, the Gravenbach deal was the one that sort of gave me the extra confidence, if you like, that anything is possible this season. And I, I, always, I always feel as well that in football, things happen for a reason. And there are so many examples of that that I won't go into now. But his struggles at Bayern Munich, with the only way that Liverpool are going to sign him and as well as them changing manager. So, if he was if he's destined to be a star in the making and a star of the future at Liverpool, then the only way we were going to get him would, would have been if he had to struggle at Bayern Munich. If he'd have gone there and been a road in success, then one need wanted you know close to 100 million quid. And even then, you know, if you've got a player who's 21 years of age and a roaring success, you're not going to sell him because his best years ahead of him. So maybe his struggles at Bayern Munich was meant to be, so he come to Liverpool, but only time will tell on that. But he's been the one, really, not saying he's been the best signing, but he's the one that's come in and just give that squad that extra layer of depth that, that makes it um, more durable, if you like, for me between now and January and possibly, you know, for, for the rest of the season. So, yeah, I'm with I'm with everybody. I'm really happy with the business we've done. And, you know, I just think as well, with the midfield at the minute, while in the past, you, you'd always say, what's Liverpool's first choice midfield, Henderson, Fabinho, Thiago, and everybody knew it was that if they were all fit. Mm. I think now there's a very... There's a very even-looking playing field for them all, so they probably all feel as though if they if they get the chance and do the business, then they've all got a chance of playing in the major games, and that again can only competition can only create good performances because people know that when they step on that field, whether it be around Anfield or at Molyneux, you know, on Saturday morning, that they've got to play to a to a very very high level. Consistently, in order for them to keep the place. Because if they don't, and then somebody else comes in and puts that level of consistency and high performance in, then it could be a while before they get back in the side. So I think that's helped as well. And just one final point for me is that, you know, I totally agree with what Tom said there. You know, the, 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 the different types of forwards we've got, you know, I think is the best, not only in the Premier League, but probably in Europe. And we've got probably one of the most exciting and potentially, you know, world-class players in Ben Doak. You know, the world is oyster if he keeps on working and developing. So, you know, as I say, you've got six forwards there. And, you know, maybe we, we possibly might be short of the back, but we're now with the legs in midfield, then the defence should be getting a lot more protection than they were at any point last season. So hopefully they, they won't have as much work to do. They'll get more protection, and then that in turn will keep the possibility of them getting injured to a bare minimum. So fingers crossed, yo, know, that that we're all right and we we are there and thereabouts, yo, know, keeping pace with City as we head into the into the new year. So now we move on to our first game back after an international break and a twelve thirty kickoff against Wolves. So I'll come to you first, Tom, on this one. And so to say to you, you know, difficult game being twelve thirty kickoff. Some of the, the South American players not returning to train until tomorrow. We don't know whether Trent is going to be available yet. Kanate's resumed training which is which is good news. So what's your feeling on the game?
1: Yeah twelve thirty we don't we don't tend to usually be at our best of 12 days on, on, on a Saturday game usually but I think I, I think what we were saying before like about the South American players I think the likes of uh, Diaz uh, did, Darwin didn't get much time did he in, in, the, in the second game he got taken off at half time so yeah. muscles
0: just, we don't know whether he's injured or, or what, what does he, he said he
1: wasn't he said he wasn't fit enough didn't he because yeah. for whatever reason but the chasing back well, I don't know, but we've got enough players, haven't we? I think to to, to be able to cover, even if you bring likes sort of like if Diaz goes on the bench or because I think he played the two games, Diaz goes on the on the bench or we've got options. So I expect us to do well, well against Wolves. it will be interesting to see what the team is. I, I think, like you, I think I match might start on 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 Saturday, Les. I think you. I think he might give him a start. You know, <laughs> just got a funny feeling. But um, yeah, I. I'm not really happy about the twelve days. But I expect us to do well there. To be honest,
3: Paul, what do you reckon, mate? Well, looking at it before, I think you back four. might be Robertson, Canate, Say, Massive, and Gomez right back. Because I don't think, I don't think he'll play Trent. No, obviously. I don't know, has anyone heard anything about, what the, have you said anything this week about any? No. Nobody put that thing on where it's like six days or four days or two days or whatever. There's been nothing on, has there? No. And no indication at all. Now, whether you can throw Canarte back into another matter, that's obviously dependent on that. It, it, it's something I say, I've been on a few of these podcasts over the years. If if we if we put our 11 players out, not being like big heads about it, our best, our 11 who play should beat Wolves as 11. I know they've got the home advantage and whatever but we, we should that they're the games you've got to go and win you know they're the ones Bournemouth at home without being disrespectful to them you, you've got to win them games last season we weren't you know, we were getting some terrible results in Bournemouth and Brentford and people like Donald oh, Brentford have got a good home record but you know when you say <laughs> Liverpool are playing Brentford historically you're going to get the three points or you should be in a position to but hopefully it's one of them things, you say, what team are we going to play? It depends how they all come back. You know, you talk about Diaz, Nunes went off at half-time, as you said. It just depends who's fit and who he's got on the bench to replace mm-hmm. anyone who does start with a niggle, whether they start Nunes against them and try and put them under pressure. But then he said about talking about Wolves, I just flashed up on the uh, phone, the Wolves squad. There's only about two or three of them you've really heard of, even. That's mm-hmm. you know, a premiership team not being disrespectful to them, it's what they've got to do. But you, you should be going to Wolves and getting the three points. But historically, we've never really gone there and battered them either. Like, we've had good wins there, but we've never really gone there and uh, took them apart. So, And as you say, half-twelve on a Saturday, it's always a bit different to think when you played the game on the Wednesday night for your club side. So hopefully it won't have that much of an impact that there's been international, so they haven't all been playing on Wednesday night. So, just have to see who's fit tomorrow and who he puts in the squad. Hopefully, we're we'll able to put a strong. We should be able to put a strong team out anyway, but hopefully, it'll be strong enough to beat Wolves.
0: Pete, um, are you a bit concerned about the kick off being twelve thirty after after an international break? Where, especially in a away game as well, where you know they're going to have maybe one two training sessions before. You know the, the South Americans, especially, are only going to have one session which is tomorrow before the game. Do you think that, one, is that worrying yet? And two, do you think that might have a, an influence on the team selection from Jürgen?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think even the 12.30 kickoffs kickoffs at home, the atmosphere is not as intense, unless, you, unless you've got a you know, you're playing United or the Derby or something. The atmosphere is not as intense, but I think the medical team will take a look at the recovery of these players. I mean, I, I think before... I think Argentina were in Bolivia and they were actually taking oxygen on before you kicked off because of the altitude. So, you know, the the fitness lads at Anfield are going to take a real good look at these lads who have travelled. I think Endo played for Japan, but I think, thankfully, they played in Europe. I don't think he had to go. Because I was saying to a lad in work, imagine if Japan had to play at home and then you've got the South American lads. It's almost like the a day difference in time time zones. And then obviously that impacts on your body. I know the fit lads, they're all athletes and that, but you know, the traveling will take it out of them. So I think there'll be quite a few changes. I think I agree with Paul on the back four. I think we've heard nothing on Trent. Uh, and I don't think if there's any doubt at all, he'll they'll start him. And it may not be such a bad thing. That I don't think Joe Gomez is gonna play that inverted role. I think he's gonna stick to it. His defensive role, being yeah, right back, and, and like Paul said as well, I don't know many of the Wolves. See him. I've been looking through their squad. I do know they've got a lad. I think he plays left back, Nori and he's really quick lad. Um, I think he, I think he plays either left back or left wing back. He's quick. And then you look through the rest of the squad, and you think, I don't know him. I don't know him. And there's a couple of names pop Um, the one I always liked. When I saw him at Anfield, it was Da Huang who played for Salzburg. Yeah. I thought he was a cracking player. I said on the night, I said, God, I'd have him. And then we, you know, we, we went out and bought the Japanese lad, but he's good. But he obviously turned us over last season. I mean, he just battered us last season. We weren't even at the races, and I just hope that whatever the eleven is that we pick, the the rice right asset from the first whistle, because as I say, I don't I don't like the half twelves. A lot of the fans don't like them. And it must it must affect the players because obviously their their body clock, if you want, is is attuned to like a three o'clock kickoff. So let's hope we should be good enough to beat them. They've only won one game this season, and I think that was a late goal. I think Everton actually battered Wolves and they they weathered the storm and they scored late on. So we should have enough, whatever the eleven is picked. But uh, a lot of it is going to go down to how players come back and not necessarily with knocks, but just how they react to the time, ta- you know, the time they've been away and the travel and the, the, the toll, it takes its toll on them, you know? Yeah. I think, um, I think, you know, I think players probably
0: get used to it, don't they? You know what I mean? Because it's not as if they've, they've never done it before. So, you know, whether it affects them as much as we think it does, you know, you know, we don't really know. Um, you know, Bobby Bobby, you know, even Fab have all played after internationals when Liverpool have been, you know, doing well. And we've had you have know, had really good wins and good performances. But I always remember a game after an international break. Um, I think it was against Sheffield United, which was an early kickoff. Mm-hmm. Where um when Alden scored the winner and it went through Dean Henderson's legs. So sometimes yeah. You just need to to get the win and and sort of, if you get a good performance and a good win, that's a bonus, but just come away with the three points. I, again, you'll agree with what Paul said. I I think that will be the back four. I think, I don't think he will risk Trent, even if Trent trains tomorrow. I think he would probably keep him on the bench, maybe. Um, Canati has trained now and has been doing work during the international break, so it looks as though he's fit to return. So apart from the Joel Matip as the centre-back and you know, Robert left back. And and again, it will then be interesting to see where he goes with the rest of the team. But again, I, you know, I agree with what Paul said. When you look at Liverpool's squad, you look and you think, yeah, you know, whichever 11 we put out, you know, it should be good enough to get the three points against Wolves, which we weren't saying last season because, there were so many players that weren't in form. But again, this if he does make some changes because of the players getting back late, you know, if Gravenbach starts or you know, Hendo starts or you know Curtis keeps his place or whatever, you know, it will be interesting to say that you know we'll back up if we get a good win and does make you know three or four changes, then it'll re-emphasize what the confidence we've all got in the squad. Um, and it will then give you know, all the players a boost. So yeah, so I'm I'm sort of looking forward to getting the Premier League back to seeing Liverpool, you know, back on the telly again, and, and looking forward to the you know, hopefully three points because when you play that early game, the one thing it does is make or break the rest of your weekend. If you if you win the game, you're looking forward density to, to seeing what happens in the rest of the games. If you lose, then you're still looking at the other results, but you're looking at them probably in a different way, thinking, "Oh, you know, if City win now with five points behind them already." Blah blah blah. So let's hope that we go in the game with a point at the City come their kickoff time, and there's a little bit more pressure on them in their first game after the international break. So before we move on, and I'll ask you for your score predictions, and then we'll go and have a little talk about the Europa League,
2: over to Pete for his double agents? Yeah, I've been taking a look. There's, there's, I think there's been 29 players way back from the 1800s up to the present day that have played for both teams, and there's a few that surprised me, actually. Um, looking through, I mean, I don't remember Mark Walters playing for Wolves, but he, he, and Paul Stewart, he's another one who who's played for Wolves as well. And um, there's been a couple of others. Jack Robinson, who's actually a champion. I said now he's he's played for Wolves. Mark Kennedy, who I think we got from Millwall, I think, and then he went yeah. down there.
1: Yeah,
2: um, yeah. The, the big names that that stand out that people will remember: Robbie Keane, one of his many clubs. Um, Paul Lynch who went down to Wolves, I think, after he'd he'd finished at Anfield. Um. Obviously, present day, we've got the Ogo Josser in our ranks. And then a couple of names that get people a bit misty eyed of our age, I think. Alan Evans, who was a brilliant striker. Unfortunately, he didn't didn't sort of last too long at Anfield. Uh, And then Crazy Horse himself, uh, Emlyn Hughes, who who went down to Molyneux after finishing his career at Liverpool. So, as I say, all in all, I think there's about 29 or 30 players. and a couple of surprises, some some old ones, as I say, from the the 1895 and and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I'm hoping Diogo. I think he actually scored against Wolves, didn't he, in a game since after we've since we've signed him. I'm pretty I think. Oh, he, he I think moment, he, he?
0: he he missed the sitter, didn't he, in the Divock game where he was where the ball yeah.
2: bounced and the. I told th- I thought he, he scored. I, I thought he scored one at Molyneux. It might have been in lockdown season Maybe, something. maybe he did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, um, at... yeah, so there's been a few. And as I say, there's a couple of decent names. Give a mention to Connor Cody as well, who's now yes. at Leicester. You had the temerity to think he would he'd got a derby winner against us. Never forgive him for that. <laughs> oh, I was
0: off-side, yeah. Tom. So come on, give us your give us your favourite Alan Evans memory oh. then. Oh, me just being Munich, les. Being Munich
1: was my favourite Alan Evans moment. But I I loved his goal in the nineteen in the nineteen seventy one semi final. To be honest, that was uh, that was pretty tasty as well. After we were one nil down, but it, but he was he was a lucky player, wasn't he? One through like from no well, pieces separate. No faults of his own. With which way he had the accident down when he was in the nightclub and. And that sort of thing, but he had a, he had an injury. Did he have a cartilage injury? Yeah, he a a cat, play, you know which, but he was a. His his against Bayern Munich
2: was brilliant. You know yeah. that, that, what a that, what a, what a the,
1: player he was.
2: That's what a me. Brian was well, Tom. I think he was the one who put the in when Brian All got. Yeah. The did, yeah. He was yeah. He did. He that. Yeah. And Andy, Andy over Andy as he crossed from, it.
3: Which he fell over as he crossed it. Then he he dreamed yeah. it. He fell backwards yeah. as he hit it, like yeah.
1: And, and Andy Rankin <laughs> dropped it. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, Andy yeah. Rankin recently passed away. So, rest it's in peace, yeah. yeah, about two he weeks stopped. ago. Oh yeah. my god!
3: Didn't yeah. They, yeah.
0: So, so, Paul, what's your favourite Alan Evans memory then? If you can, did, if you've actually
3: seen him play, of course. Well, I didn't really see Alan Evans play much. I didn't see him score not that I can remember it, one of the first games I ever went to, we beat Mansfield 3-2 in the League Cup in 1970. And my dad obviously took us to the... I'd say obviously I must have gone with my dad. And Alan Evans scored one of the goals. But funnily enough, the first person I ever seen score for Liverpool was in that game, which was Emily News, who scored the oh, first goal in know. that game. So it ties in with the Wolves connection as well. So Alan Evans and Emily News scored in that game. But it, I think... Looking at obviously watching them on the replays on the telly, I think the goal against Everton for me as uh, what was I then? I was nine then. Well, I obviously remember watching it on the telly, and you know the famous trick against Bayern Munich. But didn't he score the German goal of the season in one of the other games against Bayern Munich? I think he got the goal of the season in Germany, and it wasn't one of the three. I think All he right. scored in another game there when we got beat three-one in Munich. Mm. Uh, not long afterwards, I think he got the yeah. German uh, match uh, match of the day, whatever it was called, goal of the season it was. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant player. Yeah, high
0: player. Alan Evans was sort of growing up. Really he was. He was sort. Well, I was. Uh, I think eight, seven, going on eight. When when we were playing in that semi final against Everton, and I just remember, you know, sort of listening to the match on the radio and. And sort of then watching the game on match of the day and and seeing that tremendous goal that he scored and it was you know one on one and the, you couldn't have seen a crisp finish could you? You know for those people who who perhaps you know, haven't seen the goal, you know go and have a look at it on YouTube. And honest to God, it 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 is really a special special finish and his cross as I say for for the winner from Brian. Also that was the first really you know semi final. You know, the, and you know all getting geared up to Liverpool going to Wembley for the first time. You know, was a special moment. And you know, so he was one of my my first heroes was Alan Evans. And um and yet I just wish he'd have, you know, stayed at Liverpool a little bit longer and and let his sort of you know his status as a player grow more than what it is really. Because it's I think in a lot of the younger generation they won't really understand why possibly we feel, sir, he, he was so special, but he was the first under thousand pound teenager, wasn't he? You know, Liverpool signed him from Wolves for under thousand pound. I think in nineteen sixty eight or nineteen sixty nine, and you know th- there was obviously a lot of pressure on him with the fee, and you know we come in and and you know started playing up front with the likes of Ian St John and Roger hunting You know he was the next great thing, and then that. That real cartilage injury really knocked his career back. And you just wonder, you know, with if he'd have had the medical know-how today, back then, you know, how his career might have sort of changed, you know, and, and gone on to another level. But certainly he's a player I've got in my mind who's got a great fondness for and a great affection for. And every time, you know, somebody puts on up a memory of or a picture of Alan Evans, you know, on 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 Twitter or something. It does bring you know, a nice warm glow into my heart, and and you know the, the mind goes back and remembering all the good times. And I, you know, I for one will never forget the contribution he made, you know, at Liverpool. Um, yeah, as I say, one of my one of my first favourite players. So move on, go to you, Tom first. Um, prediction for Saturday. I fancy Liverpool to win 3-0. Well,
2: positive from Tom. Paul? 2 1. Pete. I was gonna I was gonna go for 3 1. I think I think offensively we'd be alright. Maybe not dodgy at the back, but with it, a new, you know, a bit of a new lineup if you want. Can I just say about Wolves just one thing? Yes. The one thing that disappoints me the most about Wolves is their kit. Because I as a kid remember that old gold it was called. And it's more like yellow now. And I thought yeah. I loved that old gold. Remember John Richardson. and, and Derek kit? Dugan. Oh yeah. I used to love that kit. So I'm disappointed <laughs> if any Wolves fans are listening. Put a thing on to get your old gold kit back. So what's your prediction then, Pete? Sorry. I think I think three one. I think Wolves might get one, as I say, with the not a makeshift, but the 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 messing about we might have at the back four. But uh, I think offensively, I think we've got goals in us.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm going for two nil. So a full house prediction there for the Reds win. Let's hope that come you know up past two quarter three on Saturday, we're we're, we're really happy and looking forward to in the delayed flag after match show. So just moving on, following the game on Saturday, we we start our Europa League campaign against Lask from Austria. Now I had a little look before, and they've they've already played six league games in their season. The lying third in this in their league. I think they've won three, drawn one, and lost two, and they've scored eight and conceded four. So what what and just be just as well as as a double sorter question really. What what do you think of, um do you think there'll be lots of changes for the last last game, Tom? And what do you think of the the squad that Jurgen has named for the Europa League? He had to leave sort of an established player out, so to speak, because we had too many non-homegrown players, and he's left Adrian out the squad. So, did you agree with that? And you, you could just give us your thoughts on the on the game and the squad. Yeah, I, I think he. I
1: was. I, I wasn't really glad he left them all, but but I think it makes sense to get another another player in, doesn't it, really? I think the squad looks really strong for the Europa League. I think it, there won't be many squads as strong as that, Les. And, and when I first seen it, I didn't know, as I said before, I didn't know it because Pachetic wasn't there or, or Konzai wasn't there or um, uh, Harvey wasn't there. And I was thinking, oh, my God, we've left them out. But I've since found out that. They're under they're under the age, so they don't count, so they're added to the squad. So when you think he's got them three players to add as well, I think it's a really, really strong squad, and I think I don't know too much about Laska, I've got to be honest. I didn't know uh the the results. I knew they were from Finland, and I knew that they were they, they were an all right side, but I knew we don't know too much about them, but so. Realistically, I think the squad I'm over the moon with. To be honest, you couldn't pick a stronger. As we, everyone's saying about you know the, the forward line, we've got the midfield players, we've got even like the the defense. In comparison to some of the teams that you'll be playing until the later stages of the Europa League, we should more than enough have enough quality to go all the way. You know, like as far in the competition as we can.
0: Paul, do you think that? Uh, be many changes, or do you think like some of the players who haven't started many games this season will start? I'll throw a couple of names at you. Yeah. Do you think Kelleher will start in gold in the Europa League? And strangely enough, because Virgil's banned you know for the game um, on Saturday, do you actually think he will start in the Europa League against last to get him some, some match practice again after
3: all right? He's played for Holland, but he won't have played the game for Liverpool since the Newcastle game. Eh, I doubt it. I don't think he'll play Virgil over in Austria. Uh, Kelleher could well be in goal. It's one of them things, isn't it? It's like, you you know, it's all purely guessing because one of the things is you don't know what's going to happen on Saturday. So, you know, obviously, hopefully not. People might get hurt Saturday or get a little niggle Saturday then. I don't think he will put the strongest possible eleven out. Uh, Is it next Tuesday we're playing on Wednesday? Thursday. Oh, was it Thursday, yeah. I don't Thursday. know the way he went off six and six quarter six. Mm-hmm. Quarter or six quarters, yeah. Yeah, It's uh, I, I just think because uh, we're playing West Ham on the Sunday at home, aren't we? After it, uh, I don't think he'll be the strongest 11 available to him, but we've historically done well against Austrian teams. No, it doesn't mean nothing when you're playing them now, but I think it's only that Grazia beat us, they beat us at home in the uh, second leg when we'd won 2-0 away but that was a while ago that it, it's the same as the Wolves they're saying the same thing all the time but our, our 11 should beat their 11 the same with the Belgians and um, with their Toulouse to lose as well we should be we should be getting through the group without having to play a strong team in any of the games to get the win so hopefully that'll be I think he'll take a chance in the first game where you can get it back type of thing if they do make a mess of it up to a point but I don't think he'll be the strongest eleven by any means over there next Thursday. So we'll just have to see what he does and see what happens on Saturday. See whether anyone gets a knock Saturday and changes his mind on it. Pete,
0: do you think that we'll see Kelleher playing in goal in the Europa League? Do you think that may be one of the things that's been, that's been sort of said to him or promised to him that he will play in maybe all the group games in yes. the Europa League to
2: convince him to stay? Yeah, he, he possibly will get a game in, in in all of the group games. Yeah, I think I think the squad that we've got for the Euro pretty strong. To be honest, I think the thing with this Lask is the and so I mean I know we played Toulouse before, uh, but the thing with Lask uh, and the other teams in the group, they're all a little bit of an unknown quantity, and that can be dangerous. To be honest, um, we, you know we can't go into it thinking we're playing mediocre teams. They've done enough to get in, uh the euro, but I think did these qualify by winning the cup? Or did they do it on league position? I'm not I too don't, sure. No Pete to be honest. Yeah, I'm not too sure. It's league um, position, I think. League position, yeah. I'm, I'm not position. sure what, I think one yeah. of the teams in our group may have qualified by winning the domestic cup. Anyway, that's something else. But yeah, I think it could be a dangerous thing to go into if you not not think you've got the game won before kickoff, but if you make too many changes, but like Paul said. We, we can we can sort of surmise what the team is going to be now, but that doesn't, you know, hopefully, touch wood nothing will happen. But you you might pick up knocks at the Wolf game. So, I think the squad's good enough, though. Uh, certainly in depth. Um, just a question: Do we have to? Did we have to pick three keepers for the we squad? Have name we have three three, but yeah. do you have to? Yeah. No, I
0: don't. Think- think, I don't think you have to because. We could've we could have had Pittsaluga anyway, who's named on the on the B list. So he's
2: right. on So you didn't have to, but Mirzlav mm. Yaros was there, well, so Yeah, I yeah. suppose it makes because if you get if you do get an injury, as I say, you're not you're not tempting fight, but if you do and then you're only down to one keeper, it's a dangerous game to play, isn't it? But, yeah. As I say, they're an unknown quantity. The they certainly their fans are gonna be off for it with, with Liverpool visiting. So um it should make for a good atmosphere and we should be strong enough to get... If we can win our first three games in that group, maybe then we can make more changes as the group progresses, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think as well that, you know, what we were saying before about, you know, the competition for places, whoever starts, you know, against against Lasky, if they haven't sort of been started many games or any games so far this season, It'll be their first opportunity to put a marker down. So I don't think they'll be going in with the atti- with a with an attitude, well, we're only playing a you know a mediocre or a smaller team. So we can just go through the motions. They'll be wanting to to go out there, putting a performance to impress Jurgen. So they're putting themselves in the frame for not only the you know, the next Europa League game, but saying, Look, I want my chance in the Premier League. So that's why I think we'll go into that game and whatever TV picks, I think they'll be good enough to to win that game, um, and then you know just give us a good start in that group and hopefully you know get the get get the group put to bed so then we can really start resting our players for the at the back end of the group and start concentrating on the league. Anyway, on that note, we'll end this latest edition of the LFC Red Pulse podcast. I'd like to thank as normal Tom and Pete, our special guest Paul Moran, and once again, as you always finish this show and say, justice for the 97, don't bite the sun, and you'll never walk alone. Until next time, see you soon.